0: Happy Friday! It is another episode of Locked on Raptors here to close out your week. Sean here with you as always. And on today's show, we have a mailbag episode for you. Tons of great questions came in from the wonderful listeners out there. And Katie Heindel is here to answer those questions alongside me. It's going to be a ton of fun. we got lots of questions about trades. Chris Boucher comes up a lot. And also, what is the ultimate feeling? We will get into that all on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, like because when I shot I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1097 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, January the 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of raptorshq.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And of course, you can... Subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast, tell a friend, rate, review on your favorite podcast apps. It is very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. It is free to do so, and it is free to subscribe on YouTube as well to get my beautiful face every single day, along with all of our wonderful guests every single day. So please go and support the YouTube page over there. We're like 1,450 subs. It's very, very nice and wonderful and heartwarming and all that good stuff. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And let's get to it. It's a mailbag show today. We got a ton of questions that came in ranging from trades to performances within the team right now to feelings and joining me to dig into all those questions is, of course, Katie Heindel from Dime, from Yahoo, from Basketball, a wonderful podcast that I've heard of uh, from all over the place. Basketball feelings. It, It literally never ends. Katie, you've taken over the world. How's it going?
1: It's going great. It's good. It's Friday. I decided to switch up where I would sit because it's uh, (laughs) sunny for the first time in days. So (laughs) I'm sitting in my living room. And I, you know, I figured like mailbag, a little bit more of a casual Friday.
0: Yeah, I feel like I should have worn something a little bit more relaxed, but you know, whatever. I guess I'm not really <laughs> dressed up. I'm just wearing a sweater. So uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm doing just fine for a Friday. I am wearing uh, like non-sweatpants though, which is uh, rare oh, for this podcast. Go. A little peek behind the curtain. No one can see below yeah. this desk. But boy, oh boy, am I never <laughs> wearing adult pants. Uh <laughs> Well, let's get to it, Katie. We got a ton of questions that came in from the wonderful listeners out there. So let's dive in first. To uh, this question comes from uh, the Matthew T. The question is: Thoughts on re-signing Chris Boucher? At first, it seemed for sure the Raptors were going to trade him, but now they could keep him for a playoff push. and Maybe sign him going going forward. So I guess there's like three sliding doors here. That's mm-hmm. six that I just held up with my fingers. Three. Uh, <laughs> there are three sliding doors here. One is you trade Boucher before the deadline. The second is you keep him through the end of the season and let him walk at the end of the year after he helps you through a potential playoff run. And the last one is you re-sign him, keep him around long term. He's 29 years old as of this week. He, of course, is playing very, very good basketball right now. Kind of a new brand of basketball for Chris Boucher. Throwing it back, honestly, to 2019-20 where he was just this like chaotic energy agent and it was a lot of fun. Um, but let me ask you, Katie, like where are you at with with Boucher right now? Like, do you buy this turnaround? Do you think this is something you can bank on for the rest of the season and beyond? Where are you at in sort of the three sliding doors of Chris Boucher? Which one are you taking?
1: I mean, I think he's been great lately, but I think the inconsistency is still something that I don't really believe that it's gone away, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, granted, does that make me think you gotta you gotta get rid of him or Or trade him? I don't think so. I think his, I guess, if you want to look at it from a trade value perspective, it's probably a little bit higher right now. So maybe that's something the team wants to do. But also, I think that like everybody just got back, you know, we're kind of seeing what the team can look like at full strength and where Chris Boucher actually fits into that for the first time, right? And we Mm -hmm. haven't necessarily seen that yet. And he hasn't necessarily seen that yet. So some of the inconsistencies could have just come from rotational snags you know um Mm -hmm. and being a bit short-handed i don't know i can't say that like my (laughs) opinion has changed that Mm -hmm. i'm like you got like this guy is someone you want to keep around forever um Mm -hmm. but i also don't know that we might just be seeing what we can get from chris boucher you know as Mm -hmm. a raptor and sometimes that happens with players right like their ceiling is kind of set uh, necessarily by the team that they play on, based on what they're asking for, where they can fit into the rotation, all those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a non-answer, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't really feel uh, too strongly that I'm like you got to, you know, we got to ditch him, mm-hmm. or we've got to, you know, double down on this guy.
0: Yeah, like I think. It's tough because he's played really well. He's turned things around and really has, you know, proven a lot of people wrong. Like, I just thought he was never going to really kind of I I thought the start of this this season was kind of a confirmation of all of my doubts about Mm -hmm. Chris Boucher and what he can be. And he's been a lot better than that. So credit to him for that. I think for me. I err on the side of I still don't think he's going to be on the team beyond this season. Like whether it's they trade him or they just let him walk at the end of the year after he rides out the, the string, then I, I think those are kind of the two most likely. I just I don't know if you can really be in the business of paying your eighth man to stick around in free agency mm-hmm. when there's probably going to be a bidding war and you have a ton of guys who play. That position already on your roster. It's not like he's the only power forward the team has. The team has only power forwards. So there's plenty of like ability to fill in those minutes elsewhere, slide up, you know, extra responsibility for, you know, a precious Achua or whatever it might be. You, you have those guys, OG, and Barnes, who you can sprinkle in with second units. I, I, I just don't see you know if he's like a mid-level exception type guy i would rather use that mid-level exception on a shooter or someone who plays a different position than everybody else in the roster as much as it's clearly the vision of the team i think like skills in terms of like having a collection of skills on the team is very important that sort of match together and i think they're very heavy on energy and, and like freaky weirdo bigs who are awesome and fly around and are maniacs but they're low on Guys who can, you know, knock down and catch-and-shoot three. And so uh, with that, I think the most likely is still that he gets dealt. And I think, honestly, the way that he's played makes it even more likely potentially because he's a more attractive piece to a potential contender, right? Like, if you're the Bulls right now who don't have Patrick Williams, they're down a power forward, like they could use some extra help there, you know, Chris Boucher looks like a lot better option than he did two months ago because he was an unplayable player a couple months ago. Now he's like doing tangible things to help without needing the ball in his hands, which is, you know, something that a really good team that is likely going to have a lot of players who have the ball in their hands already, that's something they might be interested in. I think the Suns might sort of stand out too as a, you know, a team that could be in need of a little extra front court depth, although mm-hmm. maybe not because Jalen Smith has kind of come along and he's good. But there's lots of teams out there who could use what Chris Boucher is doing as an eighth or ninth man. And I think if you can make a deal where you flip Boucher for someone who addresses your own needs, this is why I've included him in all of my fake Terrence Ross traits. Uh <laughs> If you can make that work, then awesome. Like, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of the way to go. And then if you just want to have him around and you ride out the string, that's cool too. You get his rights into the summer. You know, it's not like there's going to be like a huge restricted free agency or a huge, uh, free agency battle for him. where like a a sign and trade is going to be a thing. But uh, I do think I'm on the side of, we're in the final season of Chris Boucher with the Raptors. When it ends, I don't really know yet, but I still think I'd err on the side of trying to move him to sort of better balance out the roster for the playoff run to come. Um, Katie, more questions here. Let's uh, fire up another one. Uh, I lost my spot because I'm a fool and I (laughs) click around way too much. Uh, (laughs) This next question comes from... Uh, Jeff Lowe. So look, I I think he wants to be very clear that he's not saying, oh, they're trading one of these guys, but it's an interesting sort of parlor game. He wants to know uh, who would have more value in the open market in a trade between Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. He reminds, in no way is he advocating for a trade, just a topic of conversation. So you're right now you're a GM on another team, you're looking at the Raptors, you're trying to pry someone away. Who do you think has the greatest trade value between Siakam and Fred if you are the Raptors and you are potentially, you know, fielding offers from other teams, which by the way, is not happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. a, this is a difficult, even like a difficult question in the abstract. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Cause like a year ago, I would have said Fred, uh, Fred's skills were a little bit more limiting and that not every team mm-hmm. is just going to want like, a, you know, most teams are set in terms of who their point guards are like, right. That's like mm-hmm. a position that I think, um there you don't really see those guys get moved around too often um but now with fred's like offensive capabilities that he stepped into this season that three-point shooting you know and just like his overall efficiency i think that makes him definitely more of an attractive like look for probably a lot of teams i'm thinking of like uh, there's a lot of fairly broken teams that could use a good <laughs> point guard. Um, but that said, I probably would have to still say Pascal, just in the way the shape of the NBA kind of is right now, uh, yeah. in terms of like versatility and like there's more easy fits for him on a lot of teams and a lot of teams are not as creative uh, as the Raptors are when it comes to team building, you know, mm-hmm. understanding how to utilize players to their best potential uh, and to kind of get the most out of them. So I'd say Pascal fits a little bit more. Easily, you know, more fluidly into more lineups um, now and like down the road. So, like whatever a team's yeah. building for, um, yeah, sweet so Pascal.
0: Yeah, I would say Pascal too because he's six foot nine and can dribble, and that's kind of like the hottest commodity in the NBA right now. And I think. You know, my whole stance on Pascal all along has been like, I don't think he's a number one on a championship team, but I think he's a damn perfect number two next to basically any kind of superstar, whether it's a, Mm -hmm. you know, shoot and score heavy point guard, whether it is a really sort of bruising wing, whether it's a, you know, a ball dominant center, like a Jokic or an Embiid or something like that, or a Towns, like he fits with all of those player profiles because he can play really any position. He can be your backup point guard. He can play the, the, the three. He can play the five when he's like a four I guess traditionally I think that versatility matters I think the fact that he can defend like obviously Fred's an incredible defender as well but he's limited by what he can do sometimes sometimes he decides he's gonna sky for blocks and that's awesome Um, but I would say like Pascal kind of has a higher defensive upside just because he's six foot nine and he's not six feet tall and lying about it Uh, (laughs) and so yeah it's a tough one because Fred's been incredible and has probably been better than Siakam this season But then you also factor in contracts and stuff too, right? Like Fred can be a free agent after next season. I would imagine the Raptors are probably going to look to extend him uh, very soon. And, you know, so maybe that becomes less of a consideration. But I think, yeah, in in terms of just like what skills are valued in the NBA these days, See, Ockham probably has a slight edge over Fred, but this is a very good thing because uh, I can't really decide because both are awesome. What, what, oh, my God. What a difficult problem to deal with. How can we decide who of our wonderful players is the most valuable? Uh, we're going to continue on here, Katie, getting into some more mailbag questions for you, the listeners. But first, we're going to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue the march towards the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and they have a new updated desktop and mobile website that you can sign up at today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked On to get started. Maybe you want to put some money down on Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam and your Toronto Raptors taking down the Detroit Pistons tonight. You can very much go ahead and do that at BetOnline. As you please, and you get some extra money in your account if you go subscribe, if you go sign up today, you get that 50% welcome bonus to put more money down on Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet and pals. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all all the offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. And we continue on your first listen of the day with Katie Heindel running through your mailbag questions. This next one here comes from Freddie Revis. Who is quieting their haters more right now, Chris Boucher or Pascal Siakam? This is a good question from a frequent question asker, future and past guest of the podcast, Freddie Revis. Our pal, who's proven the haters wrong more right now, Katie?
1: Uh, I think Pascal, just because he has more of them and he's a little, he's on a bigger stage, you know, and he's, Mm -hmm. you've kind of like heard, we've heard like the dialogue around Pascal for so much longer um, and just where he fits within the team, you know, in terms of like, is he the number one guy? Is he not the number one guy? Um, There's a lot of that, that you've got to pile onto it too. So yeah, Mm -hmm. Pascal.
0: Yeah, it's Pascal, like, just because of the scale that you mentioned, like, he he's just doing it more, and he, his, like, I guess his, like, floundering was, like, a way higher profile floundering than Chris Boucher's sort of off and on, like, the general frustration that you kind of get watching him, like, Siakam had the bubble, and everyone remembered the bubble, and it was unfair mm-hmm. that the bubble became the identifying factor of Pascal Siakam's career, but that was the case for a while, I think he's finally kind of shaking that, which is awesome. Let me ask you this, Katie. It's like we've on our own other podcast a uh basketball discussed a lot this year about sort of, and I guess over the last year, because Chris Paul kind of had this sort of late career renaissance. We've talked about DeMar DeRozan. We've talked about guys who sort of have these sort of circuitous arcs through their NBA careers. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Pascal's kind of in the middle of a very satisfying one right now? Obviously, there's a lot of runway ahead, but mm-hmm. like obviously his like development arc is like unprecedented in nba history like going from what he was to what he is is really hard to do and very rarely takes place and then you have the bubble you have the struggles of that after an all nba season where he's like one of the sort of you know he was an all nba player right like he was one of the 15 best players alive uh, you know as the voting goes he has the down year and now it's kind of turning around and maybe this is kind of step one on you know a, sort of a next upward trajectory maybe it's not but like are you finding a lot of sort of satisfaction in watching see kind of Put the past behind him a little bit this season with his incredible play.
1: Yeah, I think it's wonderful. I don't know that I would put him in some of those same comparisons um, that you and I have talked about in the past, just because his car- he hasn't been around. Yeah, long you can't. Yet. His, yeah, his career's not long yeah. enough, so I wouldn't compare him to Demar Derozan or Chris Paul just in terms of like the things that they've been through, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of the struggles that they have. Like Pascal, um, Pascal's struggles have come predominantly from his in-game play uh, and like where he's fallen short and also how optics don't necessarily align with that um, and Mm -hmm. how optics don't necessarily align with his own developmental trajectory. I wouldn't say that he suffered aside from Tampa, honestly, like he hasn't had the same kind of um, career setbacks, you know, and difficulties that that, like some other players have that we haven't necessarily seen him. He's going beyond those things this season, but a part Mm -hmm. of me is also just like, this is how, we've kind of been waiting or wanting to see Pascal Siakam play for seasons now, right? So mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I know there were some personal difficulties that he went through and he's kind of come out in like a different way. Um, his game is just like much more joyful. He seems much easier, like kind of with himself and and in his game this season. So it's obviously wonderful to see. Um, and I'm also not saying, like, I want more difficulties for him so he can get to the same <laughs> comparison points of, like, a DeMar DeRozan or a Chris Paul. Absolutely I demand not. more trials and tribulations, yeah, like,
0: damn it. Absolutely yeah.
1: not. Like, if he just has, like, a you know, like, he can, I don't want, I don't want those difficulties for any player. I'll just be extremely right. clear. Um, but, yeah, of course, I, I don't know anyone who would say, no, I, I'm... I'm not happy. I'm not happy with that. That Pascal Siakam seems like uh, he's in a much better place. I don't know who would say that.
0: Yeah, Ghouls would say that. Uh, sometimes YouTube commenters would say that. I love you, friends. Uh, but chill on Pascal. Sometimes, man. Uh, let's go to another one here from Eric Morris, who asks: uh, Are Gary Trent Junior's ponchos the new Serge Ibaka scarves? Did OG put Gary Trent on ponchos? I guess is the question.
1: I don't know that I've ever seen OG. Uh... Wear a poncho, but I guess we'd never necessarily paid attention to OG wearing a scarf before that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. No, I feel like ponchos are all Gary. I think that's something that he's he is bringing to the team. That's what he's brought to the relationship.
0: Do you think he wears anything underneath the poncho?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, though Gary is like a big fan of, um, like, he wears as little as he can, especially during yeah, warmups. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. like got a real gymnast kind mm-hmm. of style to his warm attire so like um you know sometimes i'm like i could expect to see him out here in a bodysuit at some point like a, like a short <laughs> leotard but for the time being it's just kind of like bike shorts very short shorts um mm-hmm. and like a very like a real technical uh tank top mm,
0: yeah i was just going to suggest maybe only uh like some some sacks underwear and that's it um but hey who's i i don't know i don't know how ponchos work i don't know if they're hot i don't know what kind of breathability they've got it's it's a it's all a mystery to me katie they're pretty uh,
1: not very yeah, breathable. i would
0: imagine so yeah, yeah um next question here this one comes in from uh just another human uh that's not true you're a wonderful human you're your own special person uh (laughs) the question is which end uh which end of bench slash 905 player do you think has the highest likelihood to remain on the team in the relatively long term like chris boucher has it's been four seasons now of chris boucher since he joined the 905 and has been in toronto so i guess that's kind of the time frame we're looking at here so i think we're looking at Justin Champagne, Delano, Banton. Um, I mean, those are kind of the main guys right now, I suppose. I guess David Johnson's in there as well. He just got mm-hmm. back yesterday from his injury. We haven't really seen much of David Johnson this year. He's kind of been the mystery man. Um, those guys, and I mean, I guess you can throw in like a Malachi Flint too. He's a young player on the team. He's not with the 905. Maybe he should be. He has been in the past. But, um, any of these guys stand out to you as someone who like oh yeah this is someone the Raptors are going to uh, realize they were super right on and then pay to stick around
1: uh it seems like Champagne right now I would say I mean for me I think it it can be both Champagne and Delano Banton because I think the Mm -hmm. team um has shown like how Delano Banton has kind of I hate to use the term like paid off, but like they're definitely invested in him in a long-term way. It seems like, Mm -hmm. you know, from everything I've seen thus far. Yeah. We haven't seen him in, you know, getting as much, um, as many minutes as he was at the beginning of the season. I think that's fine. Uh, But to me, it just also seems like structurally, Delano Benton fits, and then Champagne like fits phenomenally well just in terms of how he's been playing lately. Uh, mm-hmm. He seems like he's a great hustle player. Those are always players that the Toronto Raptors like to invest in. So I'd say there's a good chance. Like I, they're sitting in a good position where I don't think it's so dire, you know, that it's got to be one or the other, which is nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's just nice to have dudes in the pipeline again, right? Like it's been a mm-hmm. while since they've had. A nine oh five guy who like really popped, and, and it was like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be around. Like there were moments for Jalen Harris last year before all the the drug test bullshit, uh, <laughs> and the you know I, I guess like Dewan Hernandez never really got a chance because he was hurt for this entire time with the mm-hmm. team. But um, yeah, it's nice to have two guys that you can kind of look at and say, hey, like these are very much worth the investment of time and playing at reps and all of this stuff because they seem to bring a lot to the table you know banton i think could really use just like an extended run with the 905 just kind of getting his feet wet and you know kind of getting to sort of run the show down there probably but with champagne i mean it's just an easy fit right now he's a rebounding monster he's like hungry hungry hippos out there just like scooping up the boards it's beautiful stuff uh and i think both guys stand a pretty good chance of sticking around for quite a while, uh, Katie, we're gonna round things out with a couple more mailbag questions about feelings and other things as well. But first, want to tell everybody about our friends over at Bet Online. Sorry, not Bet Online. We've already talked about Bet Online. We're talking about Built Bar now, baby. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar money can buy. It's the time of year where you're maybe trying to wean off some of your less productive eating habits, much like myself. I did exercise for the first time yesterday in like a couple months. I went cross-country skiing. It was very tiresome, but I replenished myself afterwards with a Bilt Bar, and it was wonderful. Caramel almond. Oh, my God. I don't know. It's a limited time flavor, but anytime it pops up on the site, make sure you get it because it is freaking delicious. And it was a wonderful way for me to round out my workout yesterday. Have a little built bar, replenish some of that lost energy, and you get a lot of protein. You get 130 calories, four grams of net, uh, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in your standard built bar. Compare that with a regular candy bar, where you get 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, meaning you get a lot of the bad stuff and none of the good stuff, which is the protein in there. So uh, be sure to go and check out built bar right now. They got limited time flavors that pop up. They got tons of flavors for you to choose from at all times from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, which is really good. You got mint brownie, which is my all-time favorite. Although again, caramel almond very much coming for that title. Anyway, you can go to built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Go check them out. And we round out the show here with a few more mailbag questions from the wonderful listeners out there. This is a, uh, a big question from Scotty underscore LeBarnes at OM uh, I'm sorry if I'm just pronouncing your Twitter <laughs> handle wrong, but uh, <laughs> OMC Connor? OM I, I don't know. Either way, the question is, very simply, are you on board with the Raptors experiment? Getting philosophical <laughs> philosophical? Wow. What? Philosophical, my God! I've only had one coffee. That's low for me. Carry on, Katie. You're better at saying words than I. Uh, <laughs> clearly, well, what do you think of the Raptors' experiment? Are you on board with uh, Vision six foot nine and everything that goes along with it?
1: Yeah, uh, I guess like a, you know, no pun intended, but I'm into the shape of things to come. They look mm-hmm. very long uh, and like monstrous and pretty capable. I think. Uh, I was only a bit skeptical because we hadn't necessarily seen the team, you know, at full strength, at full health yet yet this season. Uh, And Mm -hmm. seeing that has pretty much, you know, diminished a lot of doubts that I had. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's still a lot of growth uh, in terms of fit uh, and also just, like, general career growth because you look at how young, you know, this team is, um, Mm -hmm. whether that's in your draft picks or, you know, new acquisitions, like, you know, a player like Precious Achua, but like the great thing about all of these guys is like there's they're just gonna get so much better, you know? Like which yeah. is wild to think in terms of like in context of Scotty Barnes say, but is great and very like steadying to think about in terms of the player again, like Precious Achua. So I'm for it. I think the Raptors are trying something a little bit different. I think you know mm-hmm. it is a copycat league, and it is kind of nice to realize that the you know, the the masterminds behind Toronto have decided to go a little bit of a different route based on you know who is available to them and who they have, rather than trying to make a team, make to have a strategy like to force these guys into one that they don't fit mm-hmm. with. They're really playing to the strengths uh, of their players right now, and it's worked out like it's worked out really well. And I think um, you know there's obviously still some big question marks in terms of uh, if you were going to get into a postseason uh, picture how do they look like for like multiple matchups with the same team night after night and how are they going to be able to kind of adjust themselves? Um, Like defense, I'm not really worried about. I I mean, offensively, Mm -hmm. you know, they could stand to actually be a little bit more creative in that area, but um, yeah, like this was supposed to be a developmental year, right? Like not a true full, like starting from scratch rebuild, but like developmental, let's see what actually the shape of the team is. And, now that we've kind of seen the real strong, I think outline of that, you gotta just now start feeling, you know, feeling in the inside, um, and that part I think should be a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, I love the vision. I could not be more in. I'm like the the sicko meme, uh, just like staring in the window, like yes, more six foot nine guys, <laughs> like I. And really, really digging it. And, and like, I always gravitate, like, in terms of the teams I like to watch, like, I always gravitate towards teams that play a different style. And so you can imagine my joy to realize the Raptors are playing the differentest style of anybody right now. And, and like, there's no one doing what the Raptors are doing in terms of, like, yeah, six, f- five, six foot nine dudes, why not? Yeah, just go nuts. Are they going to score? Who knows? Is it going to be a nightmare to play against? Absolutely. I'm all for that. I think. You know, I'm fully on board with the, you know, center is a position that's cool. If you have a superstar, if not, then it's sort of, you know, why not make it your power forward is playing center and and slide everybody down and get weird with it. Um, I just, I I think they're playing cool basketball. Then even the way they run their offense is different, right? Like they don't run a traditional, like high pick and roll, spread the floor, get to your shooters. Like they run a lot of weirdo handoffs. They cut a whole bunch. Like they run pretty like aggressive like what was this called it was called like the washing machine in utah where it was like you go to the jazz washing machine and after 25 seconds you like they're getting a good look 24 seconds i suppose through all of this different like elaborate action it's not quite as elaborate with the raptors right now because they're still learning each other and defense has clearly been the priority but like you can see that they have it within them to kind of get teams on the move get them you know sort of tilted towards one side of the floor and then attack the other way the way pascal siakam is playing like any vision that has Pascal Siakam playing with the ball in his hands this much and making the reads that he's making to me is a good experiment to be executing. So yeah, I'm fully in. I'm glad to see more of it. And I hope they continue to kind of double down on the whole strategy because it's a, it's a pretty fun and entertaining and just like engaging thing to watch. And it makes me excited to cover the team more often. Like, Hey, like, it's new it's fresh it's exciting like it's a really nice sort of like revamping of the sort of day-to-day coverage patterns of the team as well which i think is quite nice um, for people like me and you um katie we're gonna round out with one more question this one comes from our pal samson folk who will be on the podcast next week by the way uh he's gonna talk about his wonderful scotty barnes piece but he asks the most important question you're of course the feelings correspondent here katie uh he asks, what's the most what is the ultimate feeling what is what is the ultimate feeling, Katie? Is this a question that you mess with it all? You seem disgusted by the idea that only one feeling would be put above the rest of the feelings. Tell me, what is the ultimate feeling, Katie?
1: Like, what's the context of this question, Samson and Sean? The
0: context is I asked for mailbag questions, and he's he asked it
1: in terms <laughs> of like the team or in life. I think I in know. life.
0: Perhaps you gotta basketball? decide for
1: yourself Samson this is literally something <laughs> I cannot and will not answer <laughs>
0: uh of course the ultimate feeling is uh love
1: isn't that what
0: we're all striving for no it's oh just goodness. too corny and nice that could be, yeah. yeah,
1: right. be yours yeah yeah
0: everyone's okay everyone's it's to each their own I get it that's that that's also a perfectly fine way to go about it um right. Katie we've reached the end of today's podcast i want to thank everybody who sent in mailbag questions you're all very very wonderful people katie do you have anything you would like to promote here before we get out of here and send people off into their weekends
1: yeah if you live in toronto you might want to pick up a copy of the sunday toronto star uh, Mm -hmm. for a little story written by yours truly about a real raptors favorite
0: oh interesting i'm very i have something in my eye this is bad just
1: uh, crying. He's so <laughs> sorry
0: i am crying with excitement my eyelashes are falling into my eyeball because they no longer uh they can't wait for sunday they're just they're too desperate okay. i don't know uh i'm very I'm, I'm very excited for this katie i will ask you off air what it's about uh i don't know if you're gonna tell me or not but we'll see uh <laughs> But uh, thank you for coming on, Katie, as always. It's always a great time to have you. And for those of you out there, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to rate, review for free on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. So please go ahead and do that. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Now go check out Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling as they help you win some money. It's playoff weekend in the NFL. It's the time to put some money down. And uh, your boy Q and Lee Sterling are going to give you the best advice before you put your money down and make your wagers. Um, just a heads up ahead of next week. It's going to be a busy one. We've got a, a loaded schedule for the Raptors. They have a very, very condensed road trip. They have five games between now and next Friday. So lots of game recaps. Vivek Jacob will be on Monday to talk about the games on the weekend against the Bucks and the, uh, the Pistons. We also on Tuesday, we'll break down the heat game, Kyle Lowry, all that stuff. Wednesday, we are going to be joined by once again, Vivek and also Sahal Abdi for a halfway check in on our over under predictions from the start of the season. That's always a fun one. Always a really humbling and sobering experience to show how wrong we are about things. Uh, and then the round of the week next week, we got Samson Folk coming on. He's going to talk about his wonderful piece about Scotty Barnes. There's a Red Mavericks game in there as well. It's going to be a loaded one. Thank you for listening all week long. It was a pretty big week on the YouTube as well. So if you're a new YouTube subscriber or viewer, welcome. Thank you. You're the best. And uh, we will wrap it there. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.